Okay, welcome to episode 14 of Fresh Towels. This is the Japan episode, where I'm going to be metaphorically bowing to the audience. Just got back from Japan. You can call me... Um, I'm 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 practically Japanese at this point. I speak two words of Japanese. I picked up Konnichiwa, confidently was saying it by the end of the trip. Say it how you said it there. Konnichiwa. <laughs> and then I also got Arigato Gaizamas, which is thank you. A lot of people just go with the Arigato. Arigato. But you gotta you gotta throw on the Gaizamas on to the end of it. Just got back from the trip, uh jiggy jet lag. I'm in the building. I was ready to go this morning at 5 a.m. I said, Mike, let's get in the studio. It's 9 a.m. I feel like it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm ready to rock. Just got back yesterday from Japan. So many updates. It's probably going to be a multiple episoder on all the things I've learned in Japan. But good to be back here in America. Um, Mike, you've never been to Japan. Have you been to any Asian country? Never been to any Asian. I'll, I'm in the, going to the Philippines in January. Philippines. And we might make dead. a trip out of it to go to Tokyo and stuff. Yeah. The land of DJ PJ. He's Filipino. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. And if you're looking for some advice on the Philippines, don't ask PJ. <laughs> he knows nothing of the Philippines. He doesn't even eat Filipino food, which I find hysterical. He he's never eaten Filipino food. He I guess theoretically he said he can understand filipino he said that on this show i well, that's not it. even the name of the language that's how much he little he knows about the philippines filipino filipino isn't the name of the language Ta tagalog that doesn't sound right yeah uh well in japan they speak japanese really? uh, for sure so many different things i learned about uh i was thinking i should write a list coming into this show because i think there's going to be a lot of things i forget but I put myself out there that this could be a multiple episode recap of the Japan trip because there's a lot of stuff to cover and I don't know exactly where to start, but first things first with Japan. The first thing you notice in Japan is the extreme lack of diversity. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I was over there and kind of in the subconscious living in America, there's something that you hear over and over and over, whether it's in the media or maybe it's in entertainment or just in the workplace, especially now, of the rightful inclusion of everyone. You want to have diversity in media. You want to have diversity in your, uh, like, films and, and everything. Everything you want to have diversity. And in America, I feel like even if we're not trying, there's diversity everywhere you look. And in Japan, there is zero diversity. Anyone who complains about diversity in America, take an 11 hour flight over to Japan because they don't fuck around with any diversity over there. There was days where I felt like I was the only American or only white person that I'd see for the entire day. And everyone you saw is Japanese. The entire country is Japanese. They have zero goose egg diversity, which was very interesting. And I, I don't know if that's, do you think that's an American thing, Mike, that we just... Yes. A hundred percent. That that's like, are all countries like that where you have just 99% is just the country's people and then 1% diversity? I think diversity? that we're just, Americans are just more, you know, tuned into the idea of cultural diversity because, you know, I think it's, it's a good sell. And I, I love it. I think it's great. But I also think it's like incredibly overblown in the media. So it like, 
You hear about it all the time. Yeah. Did you, but, when you got there, did you see all the Japanese people and you go, all these goddamn immigrants? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of fascinating, though, as someone who's, uh, you know, I've traveled to Europe quite a bit. And like, I think you see more diversity even in Europe. You see different types of folks or even people, uh, or you might see an Italian guy in Spain or something, or people come from all around the world to Spain, for example, or to Italy. But even the people who I was seeing in Japan, it was, if I was, I went there during Golden Week, which is equivalent to their spring break, but Golden Week in Japan, everyone has off. So wow. if you look at the times to travel to Japan on any type of website, the week that I was there, one of the weeks I was there is always noted as the worst week to go to Japan because <laughs> everyone is off. Even Every like restaurants person. and service or just? Restaurant and services are open, especially in the places that we went, which are major cities or tourist destinations. But every single person and all the kids are off from school and all the parents are off as well. It's mayhem. It's just people everywhere. It's in your head of what you're thinking as a major city's crowd levels. It was a nationwide freaknik. It, it was it was incredible what I saw is how many people just in the train stations, at the monuments, people were everywhere. Um, I came to the conclusion, though, that it ended up working out in our favor because every monument or park had a street festival element that I don't think they usually do. So that was kind of fun to try out different foods in that way. Um, and everything felt like there was had this spring breaky vacation vibe to it um which i appreciated so as a, someone going there for the first time i actually think it was fun you had to do a little bit more planning because trains for example were a little bit tougher to get on or to book um but other than that it was really cool to see the hordes of people at all the different sites it made it more fun i i found it to be more fun uh, but you'll see if you look up golden week japan everyone on any travel board would say avoid golden week don't go during april 26th to may 7th and that was like the core of our trip um but yeah it was incredible lots of people traveling uh some major takeaways if you look at the overview uh of course there's like the food there's the culture the people uh we talked about the lack of diversity, which was very interesting. Um, but there was also, to the people, very extremely hospitable and friendly people, I found, the entire trip. And you can't get more of an outsider than, like, a New Yorker in Japan. I, I, I mean, not speaking the language, not knowing your way around, not knowing the train system, not knowing even things like the currency... I, they were so incredibly kind and, uh, and hospitable to someone who didn't know any of those things. And that was across the board. That was from the airport to the train to the hotel to the people and all the services and all the restaurants. And uh, there was no – the entire two weeks that we were there, I didn't experience one eye-rolly moment or any type of attitude where – in the United States, especially in New York, you're experiencing attitude on a daily basis. You know, everyone is always kind of in this. I'm in a hurry. You're in my way. And from the services to the people around you, and uh, that was a, a glaringly absent in their culture. They couldn't have been nicer about everything uh, and working with you on the language barrier, which I found to be uh, extremely helpful, but also just a testament to their people, which was. Um, the only country I've ever been to like that. Do you think they had eye rolling 
after they would see you? Because here in America, <laughs> like I was in service bar restaurant for years, and you could go with a smiley face, like oh, th- oh my god, yeah, have a good day, thank you. And you soon you turn around, and you're like these mother. <laughs> I'm the- sure, I'm sure. But I think the the thing that I another takeaway from the people, which I would love to have a Japanese person on the podcast who can maybe you know, give validity to this idea, but it did feel like they have a thing for the Chinese people. Positive or negative? Definitely negative. (laughs) Like the conversations that I had with people who could speak English there, they were saying it without saying it. They're like, yeah, no, no, you guys are great. Thank you so much for trying. You know, the Chinese people come here and steal everything from the hotel or like that's what Whoa. they were saying. It was wild. We even went on, uh, we went to Disney Tokyo. We went on the Soarin' Ride and you you know, you soar over all these different places in, around the world. You soar over the a- Africa, you soar over India. Like in Disney. Like at Disneyland. Yeah, we yeah. went to Disneyland. And oh, wait, every- you went to Disney Japan. We did. We went to Disney Tokyo. And uh, we're flying over all these different things. And the crowd, like when they lift you up, everyone's Japanese. Everyone goes crazy. It felt like the first ride they've ever been on in their entire life. You fly over Africa and it smells like elephant shit and grass. And people are like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) And like hundreds of people all gasping and having a great time. You fly over India and it smells like, I don't know, like flowers. And you fly over the Taj Mahal and people go, oh, whoa. Everyone's loving it. Then you fly over the Great Wall of China. Silence. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) So like there was this feeling of like Chinese. You hear a beer can cracking. Yeah, they were just, it was like noticeable. I was like, oh God. So I do think that there is a... Uh, some type of, I don't know if prejudice is the right word, but they definitely have a thing with the Chinese that I couldn't figure out. Uh, and it seemed like that was a reoccurring... Do you think thing. the relevant, like the the modern, the contemporary version for Americans would be if we, if Soren at Epcot, you flew over the, the southern border wall? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's quiet. Except for a couple pe- couple rednecks. <laughs> Hell yeah, buddy! Yeah. Keep them out! Uh, yeah, I think if the American equivalent is if you like flew over Mar-a-Lago and like, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear, uh, according to metropolisjapan.com? Sure. The uh, number of Japanese responders expressing negative view of the Chinese, what the percentage is? 53%. Nope. 86. 86%. <laughs> That's I'm, most of them. <laughs> that was a vibe. I, w- I didn't see a sign or anything, but it was just the feeling I had. Um, being over there that it definitely felt like a thing it seems sure. like though it's the older generation 40 percent of the japanese age 18 to 29 feel affinity towards china and 13 percent aged 60 and above felt affinity so it definitely seems like an, a grudge from an older generation yeah and i'm not sure exactly what that is I, i'm not uh admittedly not well versed on asian history but i think that there is some conquering issue there sure uh, of something, I'm not sure. On Did you feel any way. negativity as an American? I didn't, not at all. I didn't. I felt like they were extremely, extremely welcoming and kind and nice. She so didn't have to like put a Canadian flag sticker on your back. No, but I did see out of the uh, Western travelers, I will say that a majority were Canadian and British, uh, and even less American. Wow. So it was mostly British and Canadian folks that I saw. Uh, and, and some Americans mixed in, but I'm talking about very, very, very few mm. out of the entire trip. And 
Like if you go to the Statue of Liberty, for example, in New York, you're going to see people from all around the world, you know, and uh, or if you go to the Empire State Building in New York, you're going to see people from all around the world in a crowd of hundreds of people. Mm. When you go to the temples in Tokyo, it was all Japanese people. It was all Japanese people. Uh, and I partially because of Golden Week, I'm sure. But there was uh, it was just a lot of people, um, but not a lot of diversity not a lot of diversity at all see i would never like traveling america i would never go to a church and be like "Ooh, look at this church yeah but i, I mean, would go to a temple in japan the temples I, a lot of them are buddhist temples or and they're shrines. active right uh like i people there's actual people there buddha buddhaing and i and think templing. so I, I think they're they're active they're more tourist attractions than i think of oh, okay. active shrines but i you have to respect them as an active shrine uh bowing on the way in um they do i think it's a buddhist prayer like you have to offer money to buddha when you go and you sure. put money into a thing and then you you clap twice and bow or you know i i tried i tried to do the it the most right? important part of that though is dropping the money dropping the money was definitely yeah, very don't worry important. about clapping just give me them yen <laughs> give me those yens Figuring out the currency over there was a little bit of a thing, but everything was very inexpensive. You're not going to believe this stat, by the way, Matt. Can't wait. Like, check this out. Two weeks in Japan, which I think to most folks who are listening would think Japan is an expensive country, and you wouldn't right. be wrong. It's a first world country. Everything is technologically like premier when it comes to trains, electronics, the things they create. They're definitely ahead in in most countries. Yeah, and we'll get to that at a later topic too, just talk about their trains and transportation. But um, definitely first world as far as expense. I think most people would put it as a very expensive place, which you wouldn't be wrong thinking that. Two weeks, two people in Japan. We didn't have to use our credit card once. Most places were cash only. Mike, how much U.S. dollars equivalent do you think we spent? Two weeks, two people. That's all meals. I'm talking attractions. Hotels, we, flights. Uh, no, not taking out hotels we prepaid. Uh, this is food, so breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, any type of activities, gifts, anything like that um, say, for two weeks. What do you think that we spent? You like to eat and travel and get involved, so I imagine you weren't, you weren't like, nah, you weren't waffling. You were kind of no. doing what you wanted. I, I, I ate. Everything I wanted, right. drank it. I did not hold back, and she didn't either. Um, I'm waffling between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars a person per person. So you're saying let's call fifteen hundred. So three grand, three thousand to four thousand. Yeah, three thousand to four thousand for the two of us for two weeks. Let's call it three. Okay. I'm comfortable with three. Would you believe? I just got did the accounting when I came home last night. We spent between the two of us, not per person. $1,000. Wow. That is $500 a person. $500 a person for two weeks. That's incredible. And not holding back. And again, at all. You're, you, Jiggy is a let's go do it, let's taste it, let's see it kind of guy. I did so not you're, hold not, back. you're not like looking at price going, should we? You're doing it. You're doing I the did stuff. It. I ate the sushi. I had, tried the Wagyu beef. I did all the activities. I drank the beers. Now, let me ask you this Put, add the hotels into it. If you had the hotels, because that's that's a must. Like you have to have a. Place the hotels to stay. were slightly inflated because of the Golden Week fiasco. Sure. But even that, we were staying in hotels that I think were. I don't say I can't stay in a place that is a anything less than like a three star. I struggle with like so a Marriott I'm saying, equivalent. 
A Marriott equivalent of like a courtyard is the lowest sure. I'll go. Just because I like to come back to a place that I know is in a good location that's clean that can like help me. Yeah. And anything you go lower than that, I feel like you're sacrificing on cleanliness, which I would never sacrifice no. on cleanliness, and I'll never sacrifice on location. Price doesn't matter. It's not like I'm out there spending a thousand dollars a night on a hotel. You're not a Ritz guy, but you're uh, you have standards. No, I mean I can't afford the Ritz, but you know I'm gonna uh, location is super important, and I want to make sure that it's clean and like modern. You know. So, so what are we and, talking? So the average hotel room night was like hundred and fifty dollars U.S. a night. That's that's which is really cheap. And those were places that like I'm talking they put like slippers under your bed at night with robes and. So you're only really talking an extra fifteen hundred for the week. Yeah. So you're talking twenty five hundred dollars. For two weeks is plus flights. That's right. no money. I w I was shocked at how inexpensive food was in Japan. It's yeah. shockingly inexpensive. And then the imports that we've taken here in America, for example, that's a major thing in New York, not a major thing in the rest of the country, but ramen, for example, mm. which is definitely a New York thing catching on around the country as far as like an elevated bowl of ramen, not you know, your um, you know instant ramen, but real ramen from mm -hmm. Japan. It's a definitely a thing here in New York. Sure. Uh, but if you go to a, a ramen restaurant here in the city, it's very average to spend uh, 15 on the low end, 20 on the high end for a bowl of ramen. And that's, I consider, inexpensive food or dinner here in, the, right. in New York. In Japan, across the board, it was on the high end, 1,000 yen, which is approximately $8.50. Wow. And on the low end... 850 to 750 yen which is like six or seven dollars so that's the type and that and that's not for a bullshit bowl of ramen that's like at the best place like the ichiran ichiran is a chain of ramen places in tokyo i think they might actually have one in new york that they've opened i'm not sure if it's closed ichiran is a like world-class ramen restaurant i did a little video on my instagram where you sit in a little cubicle yeah they bring the ramen they flip the shade down you eat it that was like eight dollars and how would you compare it to ramen here? I thought the ramen in Japan, I we went into the Japan trip overall, ramen, sushi, everything included, knowing that living in New York, we're spoiled on food. Right. It's really hard to go to another place and be like, oh, this like just blows your balls off because like we we have world class food here. I will right. say that the ramen over there consistently was excellent. Um, there's some flavors that they add more of uh like we were in um the japanese alps for example we were in this little town called um uh takayama takayama japan small little town in the japanese alps and like they do their ramen but it's like a lot fishier than Ooh, you get okay in the united states so they have they'll like they'll do a lot of their broths that are soaked in uh it'll be like a pork broth pork bone and uh, anchovy broth. Okay. So it's like a little fishier than, and, and here we don't, I don't think we're like that taste. So there were some, but as things, a food guy, did you enjoy that? Did you oh, appreciate yeah, I loved that? It. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. And, uh, the, the beef over there, like we get imported, like if you go to a nice restaurant, they have like Wagyu beef or Kobe beef. Um, it's extremely expensive here. It was still more expensive there, but not even close to what it would be here. So, like, what do you think American you spend? Like, if you got like a wagyu, like so, I went and got the fillet, or you know, what, what's like a standard cut of meat that would be amazing? I got uh, a Haida beef, Haida H I D A Haida beef. 
in the Japanese Alps, which is a brand of Wagyu. It's like Kobe is like a brand of Wagyu in Kobe, Japan. Mm-hmm. Haida is another like region that has their own beef, which is just as good. I don't think they export as much it's as just, that. It doesn't have the marketing across the world, but right. it's the same. But Haida beef, beef is extremely right, like, right, right. sought after. And I got Haida beef with rice and it came with miso soup. Sliced Haida beef, rice, miso soup, and dumplings, and it was like $19. Wow. US, so it was like a 2,400 yen dish, which was like one of the most expensive that's things crazy. we got there. And it was only, that's like equivalent to like $19. That's like a, that's like a, a that's like a Greek salad at a diner here. Yeah. And, I, the, and it's dry chicken. The prices were across the board shockingly low uh, as an American, but also as a New Yorker. And I found that to be one of the most approachable parts of the traveling was you never priced out anywhere. There were there was a couple of exceptions, like some of the extremely Michelin star sushi restaurants are going to, you know, blow your pocket a little bit. Sure. But we didn't really do that. I don't um, know if I'd want to. I think what we felt... Maybe one, and we, then, like, I just want to eat the street food, you know? What we felt when we first landed in Tokyo, our first day, we walked around the entire city, and Tokyo is a city of street food and that's across the board osaka is another like street food capital in japan uh, kyoto is a little bit more buttoned up but still it's it's a street food quick food culture and the other thing is that they don't celebrate food in the same way that we do in america's or in spain for example where it's a very communal party type thing food in japan is very solo it's like intended to eat alone like we notice that across japan that people just eat alone uh and even in that ichiran place is an extension of the fact that they not only enjoy to eat alone but they're just in such a rush that everyone is eating alone by themselves yeah um so it's not the same food culture in america where we go out to dinner it's like a big group communal thing uh Almost across the board, we saw lots of people eating by themselves, not only at restaurants, but just out and about. It's very quick, and uh, and it's not like these long dinners. Like, everyone eats quick, in and out, in and out, in and out, uh, which was interesting. Where, like, you go to Spain, for example, and, like, they'll start dinner at 10 p.m., and there'll be 25 friends at a huge table, and they'll stay there till 2 a.m. It'll be, like, a four-hour dinner. Is there any of that in Japan, did you see? Like, any, like, groups like hanging out drinking and stuff like that or is it all just like keep it moving it was very very buttoned up like i felt like the society the the flip of everyone being so polite and so um i don't know polished i guess you you see that on the train no one talks in the trains there it's it's silent i like that on the subway subways uh longer like are equivalent to amtrak trains everyone is silent you can hear a pin drop no one's talking at all no music um no music the the whole the other the first day when we're walking through tokyo we're in the one of i think it's the biggest city on earth population wise and size wise you could literally hear a pin drop in the middle of tokyo it was shocking it's the quietest city i've ever been to in my entire life and the cleanest city i've ever been to in my entire life 20 plus million people live in Tokyo and you could be in the middle of Tokyo and it's silent like it's the middle of the night. See, I have the wrong I have a misinterpretation of that place cuz I would assume it would just be a party like people going no, nuts. No. So they have restaurants uh that we would equivalent to a kind of like a like a bar and grill I guess or or um like a happy hour restaurant they're called 
Izikaya's. Mm. I might be mispronouncing that. But Izikaya is like a standing restaurant that serves drinks and uh, like meat on a stick and stuff like that. And those kind of get a little bit rowdy after work crowd, like 5, 6, 7 p.m. And, you know, you, you definitely have like younger people who will go to restaurants and you'll see them drinking and having a good time at night. But for the most part during the day, it is literally silent. I couldn't, I, it was shocking. Walking around, it was as if there was like a national emergency. It, it was shockingly quiet through the whole city and shockingly, mind-blowingly clean. Mind-blowingly clean. It was hospital-grade clean do you think throughout the, the entire city. Do you think that's the government like making sure no. things are clean? Do you think that people keep mind themselves and don't throw trash out? I'm, I'm going to blow your balls off with this Can't wait. because I couldn't believe it. So the first day we're walking through Tokyo, and the first thing you notice walking through Tokyo is that there's not one piece of litter on the ground. There's no trash anywhere in Tokyo. I'm telling you, I was looking for it. You can't find a piece of trash anywhere to the point where I told Rhea it felt like I was in a theme park. It felt more analogous to a theme park than it's in a major city. Wow. You know when you're walking through a theme park and it it's... You walk you into know, Disney, it's, it's spotless. Spotless. It had a Disney-esque feel to everything wow. felt like theme park level clean. And here's the fact that's going to blow your balls off, Mike. Without hyperbole, there are zero trash cans in Tokyo. I'm not just bullshitting like it's hard to find a trash can, it's inconvenient. There are literally zero trash cans in Tokyo. I got back the next day uh, from our first day of walking and I reached out to a friend who had lived in Tokyo and I'm like, I don't understand this trash can. How? What do people do with their trash? He said people literally take their trash home with them and dispose it at home. They'll go out there their entire day, they'll have bottles in there, they'll have wrappers, whatever shit. They just haul their own trash. They haul their own trash. They bring it home and they dispose of it to a military level precision of plastics and everything. I think they're up there of one of the best recycling countries in the world. They take their trash home with them, which which is shocking. And on more than one occasion, on more than one occasion, I saw people, not like homeless people with a cart or... That's a whole nother issue. Zero homeless people. I didn't see one homeless person in Tokyo. Well, it's because they murder them all upon, <laughs> know upon entering the street. <laughs> Zero, not one homeless person in Tokyo. I saw more than one person buttoned up like in a suit with like a bag picking up uh, little wrappers and things just to make it cleaner. Not like in their house area, but just on the street like or in a parking lot just wow. picking up little things to make it I cleaner. I respect that. Uh, I looked up the trash can reasoning and i guess there was a terrorism attack in the mid-1990s and they took away all the trash cans in tokyo and the government was basically like you know the things all the things you hear in america that no one does like we're all in this together we got to keep the trash you know we'll we'll figure this thing out but we're going to take the trash cans out to make it safer for everyone but everyone fucking did it and the city is immaculate hospital grade clean and people take their own trash home it's a it's astounding. I remember I was walking through Tokyo. I got like a a can of coffee or something. I walked around that fucking city with that can of coffee for like nine hours. There's zero place to throw it out. The only places that you can find trash cans in are the 7-Elevens. And that's pretty much it. 
Can, and can you walk into a 7-Eleven or something and just use the trash can? I walked into a few to throw things out. I mean, I think wow. it's frowned upon, but I, I was like, I can't carry this fucking thing around all day. Yeah. So I'd throw it in the trash can at a 7-Eleven. The 7-Elevens are a whole nother thing. It's restaurant quality chicken at these 7-Elevens. You texted me that. I was, we, were, we were texting back and forth while you were there. The, and the fried I blew, chicken game that, that is blew my balls off. The fried chicken game in Japan is across the board unbelievable. I didn't have one bad piece of chicken in two weeks. I don't know what it is about their fried chicken there, but it's juicy, delicious, everywhere you go. And the 7-Elevens over there are like little restaurants. People eat there. Uh, you can have like meals in there. People have uh, the ch they every 7-Eleven has a a case that like here has chiquitos and hot dogs, but there has just like fried chicken and chicken on a stick and all sorts of stuff, and it's all delicious and all like a dollar. Do you see like they're they have like cooking? Because in America it's just they just heat it up. No, throw they have it like in. little fryers. They have uh, little fryers, oh, wow. and they're they're frying the chicken there. And uh, I don't know how across the board it's all delicious, but it's all delicious and all inexpensive. Because and then they have pride in what they do. There's competitors to Seven Eleven. That's the most ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. You see Seven Elevens everywhere. Then they have um, convenience store called Lawson's and uh, Family Mart, and both are equally as good and and inexpensive when it comes to food and treats. Uh, and then there's there's also vending machines everywhere in Japan. There are more vending machines than I've ever seen in any one place. And uh, and everything is very inexpensive. Like we were getting coffee drinks every morning as our like iced coffees on the go that were 100 yen, which is like 80 cents. Wow. And uh, delicious. They're just, everywhere. they're just starting to get like the Filipino fried chicken restaurant. Chunky Boss just moved, opened in New York and it's like blowing people's dicks off. I have to imagine that Japanese fried chicken is just chicken on a stick, fried chicken on a stick. Good. Uh, their, their fried chicken game was incredible. Now we tried all the local foods there. We can dive into that a little bit. We're, we're definitely going to have multiple episodes on Japan. I think some of the food stuff was incredible. There were some misses too. I think that just culturally doesn't carry over like to American taste buds. Like they do a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, like, <laughs> like creamy rice bowl type stuff. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense, but the, the taste of it is like a mushy rice ball. Sweet or savory? Savory. So they, I think they like mash again. Like I, I would need a Japanese person to kind of, give a correct description of what it really is, but they do multiple dishes that are kind of like this gr mushed up rice flavor Yeah, that they put different types of things in. In Osaka, it's uh, they put in octopus mm -hmm. and they put that into little cast iron. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yakito I think it's called takoyaki. Takoyaki. Takoyaki, I think it's called, which are these little octopus balls. Right, takoyaki. And with like a cream sauce and then like bonita right. flakes on top or bonita something like that. Bonita flakes yeah, with yeah, like yeah. a mayonnaise. You can get tons of different toppings crispy. on it. Crispy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was looking at trying that, I was like, oh, these look good. They look like a little fritter. And then I got them in Osaka and you bite into it and it's like a mushy, it's almost, it. the consistency is of like an uncooked donut. Oh. It's mushy on the inside and then you get, a clump of octopus in the middle. That was a miss for me. I Every time I've had those here, the octopus is never not chewy. It was very chewy. I'm sure there it's much better. No, it was chewy. 
<laughs> it was true. I didn't get it. I was eating that in Osaka, which is like where it's originated from. And I was like, I don't really understand the hype on these. They're, it's like a mushy, it was like a mushy octopus ball. I think that there's many different ways that it could be made. I'm, I'm sure. But uh, I didn't get that. That was a miss for me. I didn't really care for that. Other misses on the food. I'm trying to think if there's any other thing that I tried where I was like, yeah, I could live without that. I mean, that was probably the number one. But other things that shocked me, they had these candied strawberries on the street in Osaka, which were fucking unbelievable. Literally just beautiful, fresh strawberries with a candy coating uh, and on a stick. So simple and delicious. Were they making it there and then selling it? Yeah, they, they made that. them there, and um, but it has to harden, so I don't think they were making them on the fly. But they'd make them there, and then they'd sit on these on right, the tables right. to harden. But it was unbelievable. And again, like that's a perfect example. That was strawberry on a stick. On a stick was three hundred yen, or two hundred yen, which is like a dollar. Like a buck seventy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in a very touristy area in Osaka. Wow, you can't buy anything in Times Square no. for a dollar. And and just to give an example of how across the board their food is inexpensive. Our last meal that we had there was at the airport, of course. And they had a ramen spot at the airport. We're like, well, we'll get our last ramen bowl at the airport. And we got uh, dumplings, like six beautiful dumplings, two bowls of ramen, and it was uh, 2,000 yen. Which is 18 bucks. $18. Wow. And the ramen was incredible. Yeah, I think that like, yeah, I just feel like there's a more of a sense of like national pride. Yeah. Or like not national pride because that can that gets misconstrued in America as being like a supremacist, but like they have like a cultural pride, a historical pride. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and I get why in America people are like, you know, let's not say that. You could but, you could feel the the pride for their for their culture uh, in every city that we went to. Right. And the cities that we visited, we did lots of day trips. Like we did um, Tokyo, of course, it's where we flew in. Then we did day trip to Hakone, which is where you can see Mount Fuji, which was unbelievably beautiful. Um, did a day trip to uh, Kamakura, which is like a seaside city south of um, oh, south of Tokyo, which was like how they do a coastal town. So it was like mm-hmm. equivalent of like going to Cape Cod of Tokyo, right, right, right. which is really cool and pretty. Seafood was great. Yeah, the, all this the seafood was great. They you know they they do a lot of like frying stuff. They have these thing called uh, I don't know if it's a Japanese thing. I, I've only seen them there, but it's called like um like a sando cookie, which is like uh, the top and bottom layer are like crispy, almost like sugar cookie type things, and then the middle is uh, like a creamy, not an ice cream. It's not frozen, but like a creamy type filling with like fruit in the inside oh yeah yeah yeah. and the ones that we had there in kamakura were like so freaking good but the precision that they do everything and you see that in their electronics and everything else that gets brought over but the precision of how they make everything was uh everywhere it was ubiquitous from the sando cookies the sando cookies came beautifully wrapped there was like a cellophane around the cream part so that everything was perfectly wow, aligned. Yeah. And like this is in like a $2 cookie. And like you had to undo the thing. It was wrapped in this beautiful paper. 
the pride, I, I guess pride is maybe the best way to describe yeah. it. There wasn't one place that we went to where I'm like, they're just mailing it in. Everything had a sense of pride of the, how they presented the food from a street vendor to a restaurant to the um, to the hotels. Like every hotel had a different like nightgown they gave you at night with slippers, like a beautiful, like a, like a two-piece, essentially pajamas, either like a robe or... or two-piece pajamas that every day was like pressed and laid out for you. I mean, everything had a sense of pride that I think that we don't have that ubiquitously in America. Now, what comes on the flip of that, which I think was interesting, is uh, especially after two weeks, I was telling Rhea, the one thing that I kind of missed over there is all of this precision and all of this rigidity for lack of a better term of how they do the subway how they do the trash how they do the food how everything is presented the flip of that is that it lacks a lot of personality does that make sense so like Mm, japan for japan as a country and its people lack swag like is the swagless place on earth um and you can see them trying like all the all the clothing for example and it became a joke. Like I was trying to get Japanese like clothes to like bring back, cause, or just like shop and things, like, bring some souvenirs home. It's in, uncanny how much American culture is over there. All the clothing was American. All the hats, like if you go to try to get like a Japanese hat, all New York Yankees hats, all American really? baseball teams hats. The American culture is so pervasive in their country. It's incredible. So like I think that they try to bring the swag in. And they try to like wear like Wrangler jeans and like wear a Yankees hat, um, because because I think the culture is so rigid historically that you can kind of feel that. That's the flip of everything being so tight and organized is that you can't bullshit with anyone, and that's not a language thing. It just doesn't feel like there's any like beat or rhythm to the city when it you comes couldn't just to... sit at a bar get drunk and just like talk shit with the bartender no like, it, like it's a swagless place and like I, I don't know if that's good or bad like i didn't leave thinking like this is a negative i it's just a result of everything being like that did you see any like american themed restaurants or bars yeah i mean there was i took a picture of like there's an elvis themed bar in osaka which was pretty funny uh they do have like tga Fri- tgi fridays and like some of those type of spots but did you go in or look at the menus at all just to see like if they're doing we ate at the original pancake house which is an american brand but they did like those big fluffy pancakes which oh. was the longest wait we waited on anywhere in japan it was two hours to wait for these big fluffy pancakes um i thought it was worth it it was like kind of like a novelty you see them here in in new york too but um very little when it comes to like americanized restaurants like they are pretty across the board eating japanese food like breakfast lunch and dinner seem to be japanese food everywhere with a small minority of restaurants being like they had some italian restaurants that looked beyond sketchy like they they are I think they would even tell you, like, they don't do other people's culture's food very well. Like, if you look at Italian food in Japan, it looked, like, really bad. Uh, Inedible. Was it Italians running it? No, no, no. It's like Japanese folks doing red sauce Italian, but it's terrible. Yeah, like fish sauce and... It's not oil. good. Yeah. But they don't even attempt it. Like, across the board in all the cities we went to in Japan, small towns to big cities... 90 plus percent of the restaurants were Japanese. Wow. 
So they eat Japanese food, Japanese food, Japanese it. food. It's a lot of fish, a lot of noodles. Um, even like their fast food was delicious. We had like a fast food, Japanese branded fast food breakfast, uh, which was like some noodle thing that you crack an egg over or, you know, it's like, it's, or, or excuse me, rice with an egg over it. And like you crack the egg on top and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of their stuff is rice, noodles, rice, noodles, fish, food on it, chicken on a stick, lots of chicken, lots of pork. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a takeaway on the on the swag part. It was it was I kind after two weeks I was longing to have the bullshitty moments that you have like with your doorman or like dude I swear to God this morning I went to go get coffee and uh, just bullshitting with the guy at the deli felt good again, <laughs> you know. And I don't think that's a language thing. It just didn't seem like anyone was joking around at all. It was all very polite, like. Everything very rigid, polite, organized, clean, polite, organized, clean, polite, organized, clean, everywhere you go. Monuments to restaurants, to train, um, that seemed to be the mantra. Polite, wow. organized, clean, polite, organized, clean. So POC, man, which but, there aren't any. But then, you know, New York has so much, so much personality. And with that personality, there's definitely pros and cons to that, you know? Like, and you have to understand when you come to the city, like everyone has their own beat, their own rhythm. And, and that's kind of cool. I think people come to New York from across the world and I think they leave with a feeling of like, wow, like it's almost like everyone's a performer in their own way. Mm. Like even talking to the guy who made, I just got a bagel with cream cheese and he's like busting my balls at like six thirty in the morning this morning, you know? And, uh, you don't get any of that over there at all, uh, in Japan. I don't know. I think it was cool to see, and and uh, it left me feeling like it would be hard as a comedian to live there. It didn't seem like there's a lot of humor in their culture at all. What what do you what what about the speaking of English? I don't know how much time you have left, but is that something you want to say for another episode? I'm just curious about the language barrier and how but, many people spoke English and how difficult it was to not speak the language. It was a lot of like pointing to things that you'd want on menus. I mm-hmm. think most menus were converted into English. Um, the best thing I did was I downloaded the Google Translate, which was a fucking godsend. Oh, wow. Like you literally, I don't know when the last time you were, if you've ever used Google Translate, mm-hmm. no. but you can take your, open the Google Translate app, it opens up your camera, and then you can like hover your phone over Japanese um, Kenji or like, their writing and it will translate it into English, Whoa. which was a fucking incredible. And then you can also imagine that with like augmented reality glasses, where it just does it all. You're just seeing everything I bet in the you, language. I bet you could do that. Yeah, yeah. That was a godsend. And then there was a couple of times where I had to type things in to show to people. I think that they were uh, le- less English speaking than any other country that I've ever been to, including Jordan. Um, definitely less English than anywhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. It was mostly Japanese with a polite amount of English to get by. Right. You know, like, so we were communicating with a lot of pointing, showing. Um, but uh, you didn't feel menus. abandoned. No, 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 no. But it was definitely the most that you had to try than anywhere I've been right. uh, in the world. And it, it definitely felt the most, um, the most different. But they've, they've automated so much of their... Uh, th- They've automated so much of their service industry from like going to a ramen restaurant where I'd say more than half of them are you use a machine, you go up and you press a button, get a ticket for your ramen, sit at a counter, they bring it over to even the hotels. Like when you check in, you are, you're at, 
literally at a machine that looks like a kind of like an ATM machine. You scan wow. your passport, you enter your check-in information, it spits out two keys. Uh, everything Eli. seems extremely automated. For the trains, like we do the trains like through a computer system here too, but that level of automation, even at the train, was I've never seen anything like that where everything is extremely thought through where it, it you don't have to have many human interactions. And their hospitality kind of reflects that. So you don't get like a warm sense of hospitality. You get like a very accommodating level of hospitality. Right, where okay. They want to help you to get from A to B, whether that's a hotel or a restaurant, but you're not getting the warm and fuzziness of like what you'd imagine staying in like Paris would be or maybe like right. Orlando. Like that level of friendliness doesn't really exist it's more of like a politeness mm -hmm. and the rigidity if that's a word that's a word right yeah the rigidity of their culture is, shows through that so for example like one night it was a late night everything was closed we came back from a day trip we ended up getting burger king which was great over there by the way we came back to the hotel to eat it in the lobby and the guy comes over at the front desk and he goes in broken english he's like you can't eat here this is the lobby wow <laughs> you know I respect and, that. I see people eating in lobbies and like just spread out. I'm like, this is go go to your room, man. That I mean, but they were like Maybe literally you cannot you can't do so they're extremely down the line when it comes to like rules. They you know, rules are everyone respects the rules and you're expected to follow those rules. Um and that was pervasive in the culture, every right. city we went to. So, well, this is definitely going to be part one. I think we'll continue with uh, the Japanese series. Definitely more that I want to get into about the trip, but uh, good to be back. I will be most back, likely Jake. up all day today. I'm on a completely different sketch, but on the road this weekend in New Orleans, um, Alabama, and Clearwater, Florida. Also check out Taste Funny Weekend, which is July 28th through the 30th. I think we have a couple tickets left. If you want to check that out, shoot me a DM. And until next time, mahalo and deuces.